Welcome to the online worship of Noblesville First United Methodist Church on this August the 9th of the year 2020. We are in the midst of our series on the Ten Commandments, where we believe God is still speaking to us today. Today we'll be talking about the Seventh Commandment, Do Not Commit Adultery. Please join me now in our call to worship together. The words will be on the screen for you. Come, all who are hungry and thirsty. The Lord will provide for our needs. Come this day to the table of the Lord. Here we will find welcome and sustenance. Come to this time of gathering and praise and receive God's gracious gift of love. opening prayer. Almighty and most gracious God, we give you thanks for this day and for calling us here to your place of worship. We gather to praise your name for your faithfulness endures from generation to generation. Signs of your faithfulness are all around us. Love, mercy, forgiveness, new life, and the gifts of your Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Help us claim your faithfulness as we seek to increase our faithfulness to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This week we've had several joys and concerns come through our church office, so I'd like to lift those up and remind you that you are welcome to share your joys and concerns with us anytime. The email is care at noblesvillefirst.com or call our CARE line at 317-773-2590 or the church office, and we're happy to pray for you. As of today, we have concerns that Ed Catlett has been placed into hospice care. We remember our prayers, our teachers and students, administrators, as they return to school. And Pam Moore, who's recovering from a fall and suffered a broken left shoulder and a concussion. We offer sympathy for Lewis Williams, the father of Debbie Alvey, who passed away this past week. And of course, we continue to lift up our community, our nation, our world, and all affected by the pandemic, as well as broken places around our communities and our world who are in need of healing. We lift those up at this time. So now join me in our call to prayer. Light of light, in you is no shadow of change. Hear our prayer, O Lord. Free us from the darkness that shadow our visions. Hear our prayer, O Lord. 
Open our hearts to hear your voice. Hear our prayer, O Lord. Restore our sight that we may see the world through your eyes. Hear our prayer, O Lord. Our prayer hymn is Blessed Assurance. join me in a time of prayer. We'll have a few moments of silence followed by a pastoral prayer and then we'll say the Lord's Prayer together. Let us pray. God of all seasons, as the summer days move rapidly toward the busyness of autumn, our attention is drawn forward. We begin to think about all that is coming children preparing for the new school year, young people off to service, work or college, return to regular work schedules, or preparations for retirement. There's so many things looming on our horizons that focus is placed on them. Be with us, loving God. Remind us to place our focus on Jesus, who calls us to trust in his mercy and care. Keep the needs of others in our hearts and minds. Needs for healing, for comfort, for friendship. Help us to reach out to them and offer our gifts and service in your name. We've named ones who are in need of healing and care this morning. We also have many on our hearts that we lift to you in this holy time. So, Lord, as you have loved and healed us, so we ask your healing mercies on those whom we have named. We also ask your guidance and patience with us as we march through the last weeks of summer. And confident in Jesus' love for us, we pray together the prayer that he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Hi there. I'm here again to talk a little more about BBB Reimagined to tell you about some new things going on. We've decided to shake things up a bit. We hope you'll really think it's a hit. It's out with the old and in with the new. We've added some different things for you to view. 
There's a new assortment of purses and bags of all kinds. Vera Bradley Coach, Chaps and Prada, really great finds. We have jewelry and home decor. And just wait, I'll tell you more. There are baby baskets for girls and boys with blankets, sleepers, and fuzzy toys. We have a basket that features adorable E.T. with games, a puzzle, dominoes, and the DVD. Barbie and Ken, children's books and snuggly throws. Winnie the Pooh, teddy bears, and even hair bows. Baby dolls with faces so sweet you'll need a hanky. Each in a cradle with handmade pillow, sheet, and blankie. The items that we've temporarily removed from the site will return another time. They'll again see the light. We simply will be rotating to keep things fresh and fun, and we thank Tina Dillard for getting it done. So go to the church website, look for BBB, and click. Scroll through the choices and make your pick. Items purchased before noon on Thursdays can be picked up at the church on Fridays. Between 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock, enter through door number one. Go to the shelf outside the office. Pick up, and you're done. And don't forget, this is all about supporting our UMW mission work. That's a responsibility much too important for us to shirk. Thank you, and happy shopping. Our Teeter Outdoor Worship is available each Sunday at 8.15 and 10 a.m., We have a great social distancing plan in place. We wear masks as we enter and exit worship. Uh, We don't sing, but we certainly enjoy some wonderful music and uh, have found some unique methods that work out there. So come join us some Sunday. Of course, that's weather permitting. Our drive-in movie night out at Teeter has been rescheduled for Saturday, August 22nd. Uh, With the day getting shorter, we'll start a little sooner, so you can begin parking at 745 and then at 8.30 is when we hope to start the movie. Our drive-by reception for Janelle Hadley has been set up for August the 22nd. That's a Saturday from 1 to 3 p.m. We want you to enter through the Harrison Street entrance into the parking lot. We've got a lot to celebrate with Janelle, who's been with us for 18 years and now is moving to Florida. We have a great Sunday plan for August the 30th at 10.30 a.m., On that Sunday, Bethel AME will be joining us as we combine worship. It'll be out at the Teeter Worship Center. And take note of that special time at 10.30 instead of the usual 10 o'clock. We'll have a great celebration and celebrate the unity that God has for all of God's people. Grief Share starts today, August the 9th, from 4.30 to 6.30. Uh, That can be in person out in the vine. Or if you want to join us by Zoom, find that link on the church website at noblesofirst.com. Divorce Care will start this coming Friday, and that will be by Zoom only. Again, find that link at noblesofirst.com. Ugly Quilts is this Friday, August 14th, from 1230 to 3. Still could use some old men's ties and Ziploc bags. And the Mum Sale fundraiser for Mission Guatemala is about ready to go. So be looking for that, that connection on our church website very soon. You'll find it at noblesofirst.com. And those proceeds will go to Mission Guatemala, both for some of the challenges they're experiencing right now and for future trips when we take people to the Lake Adelan area of Guatemala. And finally, if you're new to the, your, our online worship, please touch base with our hospitality coordinator, Bonnie Zickcraft, at bzickcraft 
at noblesvillefirst.com. She can share some helpful information about our church ministries and also has a free gift that she would love to send to you. Hello, and welcome to Noblesville First United Methodist Church. My name is Bonnie Zickraff, Hospitality Coordinator. If you're a first-time visitor with us, please know that we have a welcome gift for you. You can call the church or connect with us online. We'd love to worship with you. Be safe, be well, and God bless. And remember, everyone is welcome at Noblesville First. Good morning again. As we move into our stewardship moment today, we want to take a moment to thank you for your faithful giving that allows these moments to be possible. We try to lift up a different ministry each week that is supported by this church and its generosity. Today, we'd like to lift up Mission Guatemala. Noblesville First has been partnered with Mission Guatemala for a number of years, sending teams to serve alongside local leaders to help the community in the best ways possible. In years past, we've had a mums sale to help fund the trip to Guatemala for our team. And this year, with the trip postponed, it was decided to still have the mums fundraiser and send the proceeds to Mission Guatemala directly. The hope was to have the mums sale available online as early as today. So please do check the church website if you're interested in purchasing a mum or a few and support Mission Guatemala. If you'd like a more hands-on way to serve, I suggest coming and joining us at Teeter Farm on the north side of Noblesville. Teeter has already donated over 4,000 servings of fresh organic produce to those in our community and continue to appreciate the help of all of our volunteers. I'm told the most immediate need currently is to help weed in the greenhouse, but they also have a number of other projects that you can partake in. Teeter is also always looking for outdoor worship stewards of any kind, parking shepherds and greeters. So if you'd like to be involved with that, we invite you to reach out to our hospitality coordinator, Bonnie Zickraff. You can also find the contact information for Teeter on our website if you'd like to get involved there. And now, as we move into our time of offering, which is available online through our app or mailing a check to the church office, Will you please join me in prayer, asking God to bless this offering? Father God, we thank you again for this morning, for the opportunity to be here in worship as a community. We ask that you bless this time, that you bless these gifts, these tithes, these offerings, that they would be used for the expansion of your kingdom. In Christ's name, amen.
reading today is from Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 14. Then God spoke all these words, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You must have no other gods before me. Do not make an idol of yourself, no form whatsoever, of anything in the sky above or on the earth below or in the waters underneath the earth. Do not bow down to them or worship them, because I, the Lord your God, am a passionate God. I punish children for their parents' sins, even to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. But I am loyal and gracious to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. Do not use the Lord your God's name as if it were of no significance. The Lord won't forgive anyone who uses his name that way. Remember the, the Sabbath day and treat it as holy. Six days you may not you may work and do all your tasks, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Do not do any work on it, not you, not your sons, your daughters, your male or female servants, your animals, or the immigrant who is living with you. Because the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything that is in them in six days, but rested on the seventh day. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath, the day and made it holy. Honor your father and mother so that your life will be long on the fertile land that your Lord, your God is giving you. Do not kill, do not commit adultery. Be sure to check out our Faith First that you'll find on our website. Just go to the worship tab and pull it down. You'll find scriptures and discussion questions that will uh, help you take this discussion throughout your week and bring God into your life in greater ways or you're also able to use this with a group that you gathered together for your spiritual growth. Well, when we went to online worship back in March, we decided pretty quickly that uh, watching one person on a screen as a talking head for very long wasn't too interesting. So we quickly decided to use two of our pastors and offer shorter messages so that we brought a couple reflections uh, to you each Sunday. And it worked out pretty well. We also like the fact that it was a kind of a multi-generational approach to sharing the message, which I think helped broad out, broaden out the number of people that we could reach in applying the gospel to our lives each week. So when we were ready to launch our in-person worship, we decided to stick with that same approach. We got pretty good reviews on it. And then when Pastor Jill came along, came on board, the three of the pastors got together and we all... Uh, divvied up a rotation so that uh, two of us would be preaching each week, and that provided enough sabbatical from preaching each month, but also gave us a chance to preach on a regular basis. That's worked out pretty well. So when we started doling out our Sundays, uh, somehow I got stuck with this one, where I get to do the solo message, and I have the responsibility of preaching on adultery. And let me tell you, I struggled with this sermon. I struggled, first of all, because this is one of those topics that is just automatically exclusionary. We talk about adultery, we're talking about marriage. And we live in a world now where not as many people are married as they used to be. In 2017, the U.S. Census reported 110.6 million unmarried people over the age of 18. That's 45.2% of the American adult population. So among today's growing single population, the majority are living independently on their own accord and of their own choice. 63% have never married, 23% are divorced, and 13% are widowed. 
So please don't hear this message suggesting in any way that your life is not complete unless you're happily married. And I hope that you'll find something within this message that you can take with you or at least share with a friend. The second reason I was not very excited about this topic is that I have seen so many preachers take this seventh commandment and turn it into occasion to preach about sexual purity and claim that it speaks to every sexual sin. I personally believe that the purity movement and evangelical Christianity, while it has noble intentions, has done a lot of psychological damage to young adults whose relational history and experience has made this standard impossible. Churches who emphasize absolute abstinence before marriage are not acknowledging the whole witness of Scripture, which is full of complicated relationships. Think about our ancestors in the faith. It included men who practiced polygamy, prostitutes who were included in the lineage of Jesus, kings like King David who were forgiven of adultery. And I could keep on going with several more examples. So as much as we want to promote the sacredness of our human sexuality, we need to focus on the positive aspects that come from relational commitment that precedes sexual exploration. And we need to do it in a way that doesn't produce guilt and judgment. According to the website Waiting Until Marriage, which is certainly in favor of that abstinence, only 3% of the U.S. population now wait to have sex before marriage. If sexual purity is your goal, that means 97% of all of us have failed the test before we've even started our marital life. I really think if we want to get at what this commandment's talking about, we've got to put it in its proper historical context. The goal of the seventh commandment is not individual purity, but relational stability for the community God is trying to establish among the people of Israel. As I said last week, the Ten Commandments are not about I, but about we. God is making a covenant with the people of Israel with these ten words to provide the boundaries that will make this society one that is guided by mutual respect for one another. And why is that so important? Well, remember the original context of these commandments is that they are spoken to a people coming out of slavery in Egypt. It's about providing a stable environment necessary for the nurturing of children who will become the next generation and to ensure that women were taken care of economically. This is the primary reason that Jesus is so critical when he was asked if it was lawful for a man to divorce his wife according to the Torah law. Jesus compared divorce to adultery because he was criticizing the way that men could so easily discard a woman and leave her with no means of financial support. Remember, in Jewish society, women could not own property or even testify in court. So even though my first marriage didn't dissolve in adultery, I can attest firsthand the challenges that divorce creates for children. My four children had to witness the hostility between parents, the uncertainty of where they would live, the constant challenge of shuffling between two houses, the feeling sometimes that they have to choose sides between their parents. I've witnessed children of divorce who've often had to overfunction to support the emotional crisis that one parent 
may be going through as they go through that divorce. And divorce produces insecurity in children because they don't know what they can count on. Often children of divorce are reluctant to make relational commitments of their own because the trauma they've experienced during the breakup of their own home. And that trauma is made even worse when it comes as a result of adultery. The betrayal and abandonment that creates in both spouse and the family takes a lot of healing to get over. To this day, I can still see in each of my children, and sometimes I'll hear from them directly, talking about what the divorce did to them. And for the most part, they had two parents who tried to do what was in the best interest of their children, even though sometimes we might fight over what we think that is. I think one of the best things my wife and I have done for our children in recent years was finding a way to celebrate Thanksgiving together. We now hold Thanksgiving uh, in my son's house. He hosts it every year. We all pitch in to provide the food. And it's a neutral gathering place. It's some place where my ex-wife and I have found that it's not hard to tolerate each other for a few hours. And the children get to experience having their whole family together with their step-parents as well, whom they also love very much. It simplified just a little bit their lives, where they don't have to figure out how to fit in one more holiday celebration into their busy lives. The seventh commandment was given for this reason, to spare children and vulnerable spouses the disruption that occurs in their life when relational commitments are taken, not taken seriously. Concern for the family lies at the heart of this command as it does to keep the Sabbath. The family, in whatever shape it takes, is the heart of where life is nourished. It's the cradle where character is formed. It's where relational skills are developed. And when that unit is disrupted, children are forced to scramble for the resources they need to survive and cope. Now, I realize that you may not feel like this commandment has much to say to you. Like the sixth commandment to not kill, you're probably feeling like you can also just check this one off as one you don't have to worry about. You may be one of those single, never married, or never plan to be married, or someone who's widowed with no plans to remarry. Or you may have many years under your belt, and you know that you're lucky to have the spouse that you have, and you know that the grass is not always greener somewhere else. But I want you to stop and think about why is this commandment listed in God's ten words to the people of Israel? Of all the sins that God could have focused on, why does this get listed in the Ten Commandments right after murder? Well, we could have some fun speculating on this question. Uh, we certainly did at Thursday worship. But let me throw something out there. I believe part of the reason that this is listed in the Ten Commandments is partly because this is something that helps capture our relationship with God as well. Think of all the times in the Bible that it uses the imagery of marriage, brides, bridegrooms, and even adultery to describe God's relationship with Israel in the Old Testament, both when it's been good and when it's been bad. The same imagery is also applied to the relationship of Jesus Christ with the church. You see, the marriage relationship is the most difficult and most wonderful, the most tricky the most beautiful and complex realities in life. This 
relationship has the opportunity to provide life's most passionate experiences and also can produce life's most painful heartbreaks. Ask anyone who's seen their marriage break up because of adultery or also someone who's lost somebody they've been with for decades. It's like a part of you has been ripped out. You become so connected to one another. You wonder if life will ever be the same. Well, I can't help but believe that the imagery that's used in the Bible to describe our spiritual relationship with God is there because it requires the same investment of ourselves as a marriage does. Marriage and our relationship with God are both covenants that require us to give everything that we have and to give more. It means being there for your spouse even when they have nothing to give back, when they can't always be there for you in return. I mean, our wedding vows are meant to be taken seriously, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish as long as we both shall live. You know, I, I witnessed this intense heart-pounding passion a few weeks ago. I performed a wedding out at Harbor Trees. It was outdoors. The tent sides were open. This particular wedding, being outside, they had still given strict instructions to the groom that he was not to look or see the bride before she appeared when she was ready to come down that aisle, that center aisle between all the chairs that were set out underneath that tent, which was kind of tricky. I was given the responsibility of telling him when it was okay to look. So he was looking away that entire time. The grooms, groomsmen helped make sure of that. And then when the right moment came, I said, okay, now you can look. And I watched the look on his face when he saw her for the first time in that wedding dress. And his whole face was in awe. He had this amazed look because in that moment, his fiancée had never looked more beautiful. And I already knew the respect and how much he appreciated and valued their friendship as much as their relationship. I saw an even greater love this week. I went to the home of one of our members who asked me to bring communion to her husband who's 92 years old. 92 years old, and now being placed in the care of hospice. And as I arrived there, I watched as she so gently and lovingly asked her husband if it was okay for me to serve him communion. And he readily agreed, very coherent, and the whole family joined us. I didn't bring enough communion elements, those little prepackaged things, to get the job done, so they all went in the kitchen and brought some glasses of wine out and found some crackers for us to use and we shared and celebrated his life, his relationship with God, as well as a marriage that is now 69 years long. God is saying this commandment, don't mess that up. This is one of those places where God's love is felt and experienced, where it is refined and where it grows. And while we celebrate the unique opportunity marriage provides for those of us who are single, let me also say that God offers the same unconditional love in different ways to you as well. God has multiple ways to share his love so it can be experienced in our prayer life, in our service, in our friendships, and in our extended relationships. So you don't have to feel left out.
Now, it's important that we speak to the real-life issue of adultery. The divorce rate is actually going down, but that's because people are delaying marriage or simply choosing not to marry. But let me tell you, betrayal is very much alive. More and more children are being raised in single-parent households. There are too many who want the benefits of relationship without the responsibilities that come with it. It's important that we continue to encourage faithfulness in marriage and proclaim that commitment and sexual intimacy should go together. We do live in a society that I think has lost its way, and they've made a God out of sexual fulfillment. I was stunned a few years ago when I learned that the dating site Ashley Madison, it's advertised as a dating site for married men and women. Their motto is, life is short, have an affair. The interesting thing is the company took a hit in 2015 when their server got hacked and its database of clients started showing up on the Internet for all to see. And the result was divorces and broken lives and even some suicides. Despite that setback, the company has recovered, now boasts 60 million users worldwide, 32 million new users have subscribed since that hack in 2015. stronger than ever. In a list of cities in the U.S. with the largest number of Ashley Madison users, Indianapolis ranked 12th in our country. The chief strategy officer of Ashley Madison was asked about the ethics of their site, and this is what he said. A lot of members say that we give them a way to keep their marriage alive. A lot of members are happy with their husbands and wives in general, but there's something missing from an intimacy standpoint that they're unwilling to live without. They're told to live without it or get a divorce. We offer a third path. Yeah, I wonder how many a lot truly represents. I would suggest people who use Ashley Madison are taking the easy way out. I would encourage people to take this seventh commandment seriously and ask themselves if they're putting into the relationship as much as they want out of it. How hard have they worked to understand the needs of their partner? Have they settled for a mediocre relationship when they could have so much more if they only invested more time, more heart, more energy into that person that they've chosen to betray? There is something special about relationships who have faced together life's ups and downs. Well, let me close with a couple words of pastoral concern for those who have experienced adultery. First, to the person who has been devastated because they've discovered their spouse has been involved in an adulterous relationship. Please put aside any shame or embarrassment you might feel. I've seen too many who think that they should have done something to prevent this failure in their marriage. One thing I've noticed in my research this week is there's a ton of sermons and worship series preached on how to affair-proof your marriage. Now, there's nothing wrong with those. I've actually preached one myself. And you'll find some good advice that can make your marriage better, but they don't tell the whole story. I came across a very helpful article by Sue Slaysman. She's a Christian writer, teacher, and speaker. And the article was titled, Three reasons you cannot affair-proof your marriage. Three reasons you can't affair-proof your marriage. Reason was, reason one was, you can't control what your spouse does. 
You can't know what's in your spouse's heart or mind. You can't manipulate his or her fantasies, actions, or past abuse. As much as you want to, you can't make your spouse a spiritual person. You can only control your decisions, your behavior, your spiritual life. Reason two, you can't undo the damage done to you or your spouse before you got married. No matter how much you may want to provide healing for your spouse, you can't undo what happened to him or her. Many people enter marriage with abuse, betrayal, and many other damaged feelings from the past, either from their parents, their friends, or even former love interest. Reason three, you can't compete with every person on the planet for your spouse's attention. If you're middle age, you've already figured that out. How do couples stay married for 50 years and still hold hands, kiss, and flirt with each other? It's not because they've maintained ripped ads and tight skin. Sue Sleishman's advice is, you cannot affair-proof your marriage. Instead, affair-proof yourself. And you do that not by protecting yourself emotionally, but by becoming your best self as you focus on becoming like Jesus in every way. And finally, let me say, if you're one of those who has violated the seventh commandment, please know that you're not alone. The statistics are not easy to assemble because surveys rely on self-reporting, and most of us are not quite as honest with some of those surveys. But our best estimation is that 15 to 20 percent of marriages experience an episode, at least one episode of adultery. It doesn't have to be the end of your marriage. Our Christian faith offers forgiveness and healing and reconciliation. Please remember the Ten Commandments are not a list of unforgivable sins that doom you to eternal judgment. They are ten words from God offered to shape a community that will thrive under God's direction if we can follow these rules. And if you found yourself in an adulterous relationship, remember the story that Jesus of Jesus and how he treated that woman who had been dragged before him by the scribes and Pharisees, ready to stone her for her adultery, which is what the Torah law said you should do. When they challenged him to declare his judgment upon her, he said, He who is without sin, let him be the first to throw the stone. And one by one, they each left. Then he turned to the woman and said, Does anyone condemn you? And she said, no, sir. And Jesus said, then neither do I. Go and sin no more. May you feel that blessing, that forgiveness. Let us pray. Lord, for all relationships, we ask for your healing. We ask for your challenge for each of us to put in the best of ourselves, to give everything we've got and more to that relationship you've called us towards, whatever that may be. May we know that you have shown us the way, that self-sacrificial love. May we follow and become like you in every way possible. Because of that, we know that our relationships will be stronger and will be the, the person you intend for us to be. All this we ask in the name of your Son, Jesus, who is our Lord. Amen.
And now let us go forth as God's people, knowing that it is God who makes us whole, not who we're connected with, not our own work, but because of the grace, love, and forgiveness of God. May we seek to be a blessing more than to be blessed. Amen. Go in the grace of the Lord. Walk in the way of his word. Stand in the strength of his promises and believe.